Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One of the most amazing stories ever. It's a story of uh, tragedy, story of pain, and a story of success. Where he's the only guy that's ever even wrote a college textbook from inside the joint, y'all. Three degrees... And life is still hard out here for this man. And what's what we're trying to show y'all that when you can make a mistake at 21 years old and it can affect you when you're 70 years old, that's things people need to think about. And it just, it doesn't. Mr. Larry, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm going to ask a couple tough, hard questions, Mr. Larry, because this is what I feel like the kids need to know the most. And this is what our channel is even about. Uh, Mr. Larry, how old were you when you went to prison? I was 21. 21. How old were you when you come home? 64. 64. Mr. Larry, when you came home at 64, how many of your family was left? I had zero family members. Zero family members. When you went in, was your family supporting you? Yes, they were supporting me and everybody was alive. Did you get mail at first, things like yeah, that? I got mail, visits. Oh, you got visits and everything, huh? Yes. Oh. Uh, how old were you, Mr. Larry, when your mom passed? Do you remember? I was uh, 50, 58. Let these people know, in the state of Texas, I know this going to be hard, and I'm sorry, but listen, that day that that, that that came, tell them what you were doing that day and how they let you know and how they even tell you in Texas that your mama just passed. Uh, I was at work. and uh, What was your job? Let's see, I was, I was working outside cleaning the sidewalks. Good job, yeah. That's what I was doing. He called me to the warden's office, and uh, he gave me the bad news. But also he told me, hey, you going to the funeral because a person is going to take you myself. He said that? Yeah. Did he take you? Yeah. Awesome, man. That's awesome. I've never even heard of that like that before. Usually they won't take a man. That's awesome. That shows the, Mr. Larry, that shows your character, man, that that man said, I'm taking you to your mother's funeral, man. That's awesome. Listen, this is the guy, fellas and, and ladies, I know y'all don't understand if you've never been in type of the type of situation, but you're literally in there. Then those people aren't on your side normally. They don't care about you. They don't nothing, nothing. You're, you're a piece of meat. What would you say to them? You're just a number and a, and a piece of meat, right, man? You're just a cattle. And there's certain men that have just spent so much time in there that they're not cattle no more. They actually see them as men. They start recognizing these men have minds and souls. And it's very rare, though, Mr. Larry. Like in your in your 42 years, what would you say the percentage of men that got close to a warden ever was? Well, it was a few. I saw some guys who really in the warden. They were cool. Like, really, really cool with the yes. warden? What was one of the most amazing things you ever seen a warden do for somebody? Taking you to your mama's funeral was one of them. Well, let a guy use his car to go home with on the weekend. The warden used to let a guy go home in his car? Yeah. Oh, wow. In the 70s, 80s? Uh, in, the, in the 70s. That's the type of, wow, it was amazing back then. <laughs> what is the, 
Okay, I got a question. Listen, we talked a little bit yesterday about the Ruiz lawsuit, okay? And you told me they had a special trick they did to David Ruiz. What happened to him after that? After that? Uh, they, uh, they used to beat the hell out of him and broke his leg. You said about that transfer they gave him, though. Yeah, uh, they transferred him from Eastham to the wind unit. Stuff with the white guys. Yeah, he he was uh play a little game with the young white dudes, tell them he can get their case overturned, and uh, trick them out their booty. Really, he was a well-known booty bandit. See what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sorry. Listen, and I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor, and I'm sorry, world. We didn't even really want to say this too much, man. But this man is telling you something you just heard. David Ruiz, he was a booty bandit, y'all. And this is not the first person that has told Tim Snow this story, man. The man actually got the credit for being the most, uh, what would you say, stand-up guy in the world. And he wasn't, man. That's what we were saying. 25 other men put their life on the line also, and they didn't get no credit. And that's that's a shame, you know what I mean? All 25 of those guys probably got their legs broken, too, and nobody said their name ever, you know what I mean? So it's amazing. But uh, I don't know, Mr. Larry, I just want to know... I know what I want to know. This is what Tim Snow wants to know. When a man has a life sentence and he's living like he might never go home, what was inside of your heart, Mr. Larry, that made you keep going to school, man? Like, listen, because I was free, skipping school, leaving school, and you were incarcerated, begging to go. What's, I mean, why? Uh, the monotony of prison life, I needed a break. And I was in a business law class from the University of Houston, Clear Lake. And this professor, one night, man, I was so tired. I was lying on the floor in that air conditioner. I was just laying on the floor, dirty. I hadn't took a shower yet. We'd been working in the fields all day. And he said, uh, he said, uh, I wish I was a black man. And I'm laying on the floor listening. He's a white guy. You're a professor. Why do you want to be black? He said, man, he said, you know how you he said, you know what black guys' problem is? He said, they don't want to get smart. He said, all you gotta do is get smart, then get smarter than white people and turn around and use it against them. <coughs> he said, they got all these anti-discrimination laws. He said, if I was black, I'd be a multi-millionaire. I got my ass up off the floor. <laughs> you paid attention. Yeah, got back in the desk. I said, Oh, okay, let me pay attention to this guy. And this guy always will have something. Some little cliche or something to say during class that'll motivate you. And he know he felt sorry for us. He know we was working out in that hot sun from sun up to sundown. And he would let us lay on the floor and sleep, man. We'd be tired, man. Really? White man? Yeah. That was awesome. That was pretty cool. Listen, that's one thing that I wanted to touch on too. That uh this system was so evil and racist and all this. But there actually were some guys like that, man, that would come through and just be cool. Like, I mean, how would the uh, how would the warden take that? But did he know that he was letting y'all lay down and sleep? Was he cool with that, or he didn't know? The warden didn't care. Turnkeys ran the schoolhouse. Oh, so the turnkeys were the men. Turnkeys ran it. You didn't see no warden. So the turnkeys ran everything. That's right. Huh? Golly, how many people were in your college class back then, Mister Lee? It was six. Six of y'all. Six. That was it. All right. Listen, in this, in this unit. In the prison, we already know you're a man with respect. You show up with a life sentence. You put your work in, everything like this. Were people thinking you're crazy as hell for going to school? Were they telling you, Larry, you're wasting your time. Man, you got a life sentence. 
Yeah, some guys just tell me, man, there's no way I go sit up in that college. I worked out in the fields all day. I'm going in my cell and go to sleep. And I, and when I, I'm not finished. When I come out of college, I got homework to do. And they used to turn the lights off at 10 o'clock. You couldn't turn your light on in your cell. 10 o'clock, all lights was out. I'd be holding my book outside the balls trying to study. Oh. And I got to get up at 6 o'clock and go to work. You work. couldn't miss work then because they'd beat the hell out of you for missing work. No work missing, that's for sure. No. Sick or anything, you're going out to that field. Who's going? Well, so look what he's telling us, y'all. <laughs> Works all day in the field doing that old slave labor crap. Come back, go to school, and then do his homework outside the bars at night. That's the type of situation they had him going. Listen, six men in that prison going to college, all of y'all should have had night lights, and they didn't care nothing about that. You know what I mean? Well, in the later years, they started selling night lights. Oh, they didn't even have night lights when I first went so to prison. So that was just before night lights yeah, even before existed? before night lights, yes. Wow. When you first went to prison, Mr. Larry, back in 1975, what, uh, what did y'all have? What was commissary like back then? Commissary... Uh, all the goods was glass, peanut butter. You got Peter Pan peanut butter. It was in glass. Glass jars. Glass jars. And uh, you got the mackerel and chili. All was in cans. I've always heard about the old can. Did you have can openers or were they pull yeah, tops? You had can opener. I'll be dang. What about soda waters and candy and they stuff like that? So they had a good canteen yeah. back then? Sold any type of cigarette you want. Sold lighter fluid. You could buy a lighter fluid. You could buy a lighter fluid back yes. then. So it easy to light somebody up right, if you wanted correct. to. Huh? Wow. And uh, now I heard a couple stories too about people actually getting light on fire. We don't need to hear actually any details or anything or who did it or anything. But how many times in forty-two years in Texas have you heard about people getting lit on fire? No, oh, well at, at Retrieve, a guy got uh got burned up, poured gasoline on him and set him on fire. They used gasoline, not lighter fluid. Inside of a cell? No, in a dorm. In the dorm. Yeah, he used to be asleep. He just passed out. Oh, man. He was drunk as hell, passed out. They soaked his whole bunk in gasoline and lit him on fire. Did he even get out the bed or did he? Oh, he got out. He was all burned up. Running man. Did yeah. He he stop, drop, and roll. This guy weighed about 400 pounds. Oh, so he couldn't even move fast enough. Yeah, huh? he could. That fire made his ass move. Oh, 400 pounds <laughs> move that fire. Oh, shit. I guess that will make you move, huh? Dang, yeah. There's a video of some, uh, some guys doing that to some other people, man, like in New York. It shows them going right to their cell, burning them up. They do it in the feds, too, man. It's crazy. Uh, we're just going to get on to some general stuff, right, man? Like, what would you consider... Look, man, tell me a good dirty trick they pull on the new guys anywhere ever, man. Listen, listen, new guys. I want to know good, a good dirty trick we do on them rookies. Fish, man. Well, the dirtiest tricks I ever seen was at Dallas County Jail. Really? Yeah, they had what they call the pill trick. What's the pill trick, Mister? Uh, they a new guy would come in, and uh, and he don't. Uh, they used to assign you in Dallas County Jail according to the neighborhood you live in. But sometimes it'd be so crowded, or this guy from he's not from Dallas, so they just put him anywhere. Oh man! And these guys would go to him, and a guy would get some soap and toothpaste and put it in his mouth like he's having a, a epileptic seizure. He's foaming at the mouth. Going crazy, talking about somebody got his pills. And somebody got my medication and I need it. 
and he, I'm script searching. They get this guy buck neck and look all up his ass and all that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he think he's supposed to do it, yeah, huh? Yeah, he do it to keep him getting beat up because dude be saying, man, we're going to beat the hell out of you if we oh, catch you with them pills. Man. And he would participate in it, man. I, he's trying to prove he don't got them. He's trying huh? to prove, how to, man, I ain't got your pills, oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Mayor, back then, could you wear your shoes in Dallas County? Yeah. Were they taking them white boy shoes like everywhere else? Well, when I went to Dallas County, it was segregated. Oh, it's still segregated back then. Segregated. He was black. What Dallas County is is mixed now, but what they used to do if a black man been to prison before, they're not gonna put him in a regular tank. They're gonna put him with all blacks who've been to prison. Right, right. Ain't gonna be no white, no Hispanics in there. Now it's all mixed up. If you got a violent case now, you're going to a single man cell. Okay. You're gonna be in, locked up in a ASC. Right, right. Hey, honestly, Mr. Mayor, that's what they did to me in Harris County when I was telling that the, uh, the racist lady told me she was putting me in the worst place they had. I had never been to prison, and they put me in a cell with guys that had been three or four times already. They were convicts, and I was just playing along. You know what I mean? It's pretty rough, but uh, that pill trick's pretty bad, man. <laughs> but listen, honestly, were the black guys trying to prey on each other, take shoes and stuff like that? I don't think so. Yeah, Boy, Dallas County, they would. I felt sorry for you if you couldn't stand on your Or they would, too. You're going to get killed in Dallas County. They're going to rob you, take all your commissary. And if you get beat down and work bad enough, they're going to make you into a Maytag. You're going to be washing these guys' underwear and these oh, socks. Oh, my God. Oh, you, yeah. Mr. Barry said, you're going to be the Maytag. Oh, right. man, I've seen it happen. We yeah, didn't man. have no TVs. We didn't have nothing. They put one newspaper on every cell block. We didn't have no radios. They played some old classical music. Having the speaker playing. Yes, man. That was it. Now, all oh, we got to do is, is gamble and, and they fight and gamble box fight. all day long and work out. Guys know they're going to prison, so they get in prison shape. They work out all day and all night. That's wild. That's crazy. Let me tell you something. Tell me a little bit more about Dallas, and we're going to close this and about that count. You told me to listen. When you were young, Mr. Mary, and I did the same thing, every man does the same thing, okay? We know we're going. We start wanting to soak up information and stuff like that. Tell them how you, that that was important to you, you know what I mean? Well, by me and hell, I ain't never had been to jail. When these guys, a lot of these guys knew me because I played basketball real good. I'd go be over in South Dallas playing basketball. At in Rochester the free world? Park. Yes. Oh, really? You were good with the hoops? Yeah. So they would get me to the side and... And they always, once all the fighting and all that stuff, everybody just sit around and start talking. And, um, and a couple guys, because I had money, and some guys didn't have money, I'd go and try to share with people. So these guys would try to help me out. So say, youngster, you go to this unit, this unit is like this. This warden here, he runs this unit. And he's like this. The Billingtons over here, they do this. So you don't do that, and they won't bother you. Then what they at, let me ask one thing. Were they all legit? Everybody giving good advice? Yeah, they've been there and done that. So they were all helping them youngsters. That's yeah. what they think. And honestly, we're not going to get into your case or anything like that, but they they knew you was a real-ass youngster anyway, right? No, there was no... I mean, that's listen, that's the thing. And that's what we talked about off of camera. This is the crazy part about prison, y'all. You young kids out here, I don't care how many bodies you got, man. And you can tell them, too. Your credentials in the free world... They just get you through the door. They don't put you in no position in there. You got to start over in that way, man. And that's that's what's crazy. Mr. Larry, have you seen just some real-life gangsters come through that just even had to prove their self again? You know what I mean? In Dallas County, you did. But once you got to prison, 
you had this well-known reputation. It's still some guys in prison who don't give a damn about what you done did on the outside. But they look at, hey, I'm just a good enough, good, just like you was a killer, I'm one also. Everybody dies, so right? So everybody dies. He really ain't worried about you. He's who strike first. Right. You know, I, I met some guys who, who bring a bad reputation. They're well-known, and they really don't have no problem. Nobody bothers them, and they don't. Most of the guys I knew who was bad had a bad reputation. They real respectful dudes, and they don't even look like they'll kill them. Almost they don't always, even look right. the role, but they will kill your ass. Let me ask you this, Mister Larry, and, and this is not about yourself. And we already know what type of man you are. But in that penitentiary, were there some just wild cat ass dudes that just struck out all the time back then? Before, because see, listen, what we're dealing with, folks, is pre nineteen eighty four. You didn't get arrested for this. You know what I mean? Not at all. Hold on a second. Okay, sorry folks. We had a little interruption right here. What I wanted to ask you, Mr. Barry, and I was asking you, like through all them years, were there just some real, just real bad acting dudes, man? Like they just was just hard to handle and people didn't know what to do with back then? Well, in order to reach that status in a Texas prison when he had Billingtons and turnkeys, you're going to have to take a lot of brutal ass weapons. They didn't just give you that. You're going to have to go to that old solitary where they starved the hell out of you, they beat the hell out of you, and then eventually you might get that status where they warden and say, hey, tell the turnkeys and Billingtons, y'all leave this guy alone. But, but it, it could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Very few guys got that status, but it was some. So basically what you're saying is... That man had to take that ass whooping a bunch of times, come back and still act bad, and then yes, and there are people that'll do it. That's what that's what I kind of wanted to point is. There are men really out there that'll do it, in there, Mister Larry. Well, we, East Ham had several guys who, who had that status. They didn't have to work. Building tunnels did not fuck with them because these guys really were bad. But it was only a few guys. I know a lot of people out of 2,000 inmates, it, may have been, it might have been five over there who could really do what they want to do, and they wasn't a building team. Building tenants did not bother them. Really? Yes. And did they, how did they treat the other people? Good. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't bother nobody. They let it be known, though, if you get out of line with me, you finna have serious problems. Right, you're going to die probably. Right. And uh, so it, it became to the point where they just didn't even, nobody tried them in no more, no. huh? Did you ever feel like you needed to become that man? I would try. But really what I had, the thing I had going against me was my size. Most, all these guys who I knew who had that stuff, they had a lot of size on them. Really big. They were really big dudes. And I didn't have the size. I had the heart, but I didn't have the size. Anything those fools would do, I would do it too. But my size. Right, right, right. So, man, I just... And that's the human nature. Listen, we'll underestimate that man, you know what I mean, and stuff like that, and it, it, it's a crucial mistake, fatal mistake to ever underestimate any man, but, yeah, it is true, listen, a bigger man can take a little bit more abuse, that's just how, how life works, you know what I mean, but, honest to God, back then, the key to what he said was, everybody would kill you back then, you know what I'm saying, so that's a, that demands a higher respect level, I believe, and that's what kind of creates a better convict environment. It's just like in a neighborhood. Listen, in a neighborhood, Mr. Larry, where them cops are bad and they buzzing around, people don't try stuff. And in neighborhoods where there's no cops, everything's going on. Same thing penitentiary, you know what I mean? So it's weird. We're going to close this one, y'all. 
Uh, sorry about the interruption. We just wanted to ask him just some questions about the old days, and we're going to get to the next episode in a minute, y'all. Thank you. Uh, we don't have his book right here, but it's Lee A. Larry, Ph.D., Islam Demystified, y'all. The, the link is in the bio, and also we're going to put his PayPal info if anybody wants to donate to Mr. Larry, y'all. Thank you for watching.